Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you. This is cool. This is cool. Um, I'm coming to you from Kyle Field. Kyle! Sorry, that's my inner South Park. Uh, tonight I got, for uh, Compass Media, I get a chance to broadcast Kentucky. Taking on Texas A&M. That'll be a lot of fun. In the meantime, I'm like across the street. Kyle Field is the stadium. It's known for... Known for uh, really three things: one, the the pitch, the the angle of the stadium. I mean, I'm I'm up in the press box overlooking the field. Uh, it's intense, right? Can put they put 109,000 in, but it, it seats 102 supposedly with knockout and SROs. So that that's pretty cool. But it's it's known for for two different things. Uh, John Ramos, do you know what Kyle Field is known for? Um, I I don't. Okay. I don't. I apologize. No, you're, there's nothing wrong. You don't have to apologize. Okay, Johnny, Man, should, Johnny, Man's, be... Johnny Manziel is one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dude Perfect is the other. Oh, the guys right. who throw things off the walls and stuff? Well, off the stadium and into a bucket, right? Okay, like, yeah, if yeah. You look, if you go back to when Dude Perfect first started, they were Texas A&M students, and a lot of their stuff was up in the third deck. You know, shooting a basketball into a hoop that was down at the football field. That was that was here. That, that was that was here. Um, anyway, we got a great show for you today. It's Doug Gottlieb's show, and you can check out the latest lines from World of Sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be twenty one, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call one eight hundred gambler. Um Howie Roseman is going all in. We'll get to that upcoming. That one, that one's fun. I got uh, Dak Prescott apologize, apologizing. I think that's what he did. He apologized. <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that Dak Prescott apologized to to start uh, to to say exactly what he thought of. The, I, we take things way too seriously, but we'll get to uh, we'll get to all that. Let's let's start though with the. Uh, post-mortem from the Dallas Cowboys. You know, one of the things that's special about the Cowboys, and did you guys see the number of people that watched the Cowboys and Niner game? Like that is a that is an obscene number of people. Obscene. 41.5 million people watched that football game. And, of course, it was broadcast on CBS. We talked about this a little bit yesterday where CBS actually bought paid $70 million for that specific window so they could get the pick of the week. Normally, Cowboys NFC game is on Fox and says on CBS. Smart move by CBS. They kind of lucked into the Cowboys and the Niners, and they got the pick of the litter. And that's where that's where people have to understand that ratings are not about the quality of a team. It's about the fan bases uh, and slightly about quality, mostly about the fan bases. And nobody rates like the Cowboys, and the Niners are not far behind. You combine those two superpowers, and there you go. Obviously, massively outrated 
Pittsburgh, huge fan base. Kansas City, not nearly as big. Kansas City's obviously been a much better football team. People confuse how good you are with how well you rate that you're just, you're getting yourself confused. It's exactly what you're doing. But let, let's get to this. So the Cowboys' offense was inept. It, they scored one touchdown in the first half. They had to play catch-up. If not for Kyle Shanahan doing Kyle Shanahan things, throwing the football too much, or Jimmy Garoppolo doing Jimmy Garoppolo things, or the fact that the it it did it they did not get the first down on the third down uh jet sweep to Debo Samuel. And on fourth down they would have gotten on the sneak if not for the fact that they had a false start. Game would have been over. But we know how it ended and all of the discussion and this is what happens and, and God bless Troy Aikman for pointing out the the real stuff. We spent so much time talking about the last play. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about, I mean, we did here, but we needed to break down why were the Cowboys so, why are they so average offensively against good teams? You line up their roster, and do I think that Amari Cooper is as good as contract? No, he might get cut. Do I think that Ezekiel Elliott is as good as contract? No, he might get cut. But it, it's not like they're bad football players. They're just not as good as their contracts, and so you try and get out of them. The, the, they have talent. Right? No one's arguing they have talent. So what went wrong? What went wrong? Let's, uh, let's listen in. This is, this is Troy Aikman, who, of course, desperately wanted to call this game, didn't, went down, broke down the tape on a radio show in Dallas. Back when I was playing, and I hate going back to that point because nobody cares but what I see around the leagues not just Dallas it was in Philadelphia I've seen it with a lot of teams that a lot of these offenses they want to scheme things rather than this corner is playing soft he's scared to death just run the route tree just run a comeback run a run a dig route run a curl run anything and you're going to complete the pass whenever you want. Urban would have had 10 catches at halftime if they had played us the way that they played CeeDee Lamb. The game's not that difficult. If, if I've got a great player at wide receiver and a corner is playing him single coverage, throw him the ball. Throw him the ball. So, and, and I don't know if you were listening going back to the last, uh, last couple of days. I don't know if you're paying attention, but what I said was, and I said this about the Cowboys, is they really get cute, and they really get cute. Now, getting cute is a much more layman way of expressing what Troy Aikman said, where you're worried so much about, you know, you have a scheme, and we're going to out-scheme you instead of just get the ball to your best player and figure out what's the easiest way to get the ball to your best player against their worst player. It's a lot like in the NBA, which at the end of playoff series and playoff games, it's players not play players not plays, right? That's what they say in basketball. Got to players not plays, and you'll see LeBron James or you'll see Steph Curry or you'll see whomever, and they have the ball at the top of the key, and oftentimes you just go set a ball screen with whoever the weakest defender is, knowing in the NBA they're going to switch. And then you you attack the weakest defender, right? Players, not plays. Like, let's not overthink this thing. We don't have to get cute. So it's a it's. I tend to understand and likely agree with Troy because he's one. I also think it's interesting that Troy, a guy who is a former Cowboy, is loyal to the Cowboys, but also loyal to his job 
it's interesting that he's being critical of Kellen Moore, another former Cowboy quarterback, and slightly of of Dak Prescott. I I think there's an amount of frustration there. Like, what what are we doing here? But I've talked about this on this show, which is they get cute, right? <laughs> you don't you don't need to get cute. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks got cute around the goal line instead of giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I, I'm sure they they saw something they liked. I'm sure it was something they thought they could they could pick on somebody. They could make, but or we could just give the ball to a guy who will find the end zone in a Marshawn Lynch. Don't get cute. Coaches, so, and look, refs do this in sports where it's like they want to blow the whistle sometimes just so you know they're there. You're like, are you calling a foul because you need to call a foul? Or are you calling a foul because you just want us to know you're there, right? We didn't come to see you. Coaches sometimes do that as well. I also think that Kellen Moore, in his defense, a lot of this is you know, like your upbringing as a player. Remember when he played at Boise State, and Boise State, those are guys that think they, they've been out, able to outcoach Oklahoma. I know Kellen wasn't the quarterback then, but you're able to outcoach Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. But see, those things are needed when you have inferior talent. Right? When you have the better player, you can use schematics. You can find a, 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 you can find a way in which you can fool the opponent. But at the end of the day, if you have one guy who's just better than the other guy, throw it to the guy who's better than the other guy. Right? If your offensive line is dominating their defensive line, hand the ball off and run the ball. I think it's a really interesting dynamic that we'll never know the true answer to. Because I do think that Troy is right. I don't know why that happened. I'm guessing it's because he doesn't like the the overly creative, you know, bells and whistles and motions and, for lack of a better term, cuteness of what they're doing. But is it because he doesn't want Kellen Moore to be the next head coach? Is it because he wants to be in charge? Is it because he's, I don't think he's doing it to throw shade on Dak Prescott. I think that personally, my belief is Troy's actually doing his job, which is to analyze any team, you know? And what's interesting about it is I think Tony Romo shares much the same philosophy. Now, Romo wasn't great on the game. Romo was kind of all over the place. And I think Romo is a little bit too close to it. And because Dak replaced him, there's a little bit of sensitivity there on being overly critical. But he did point it out. And if you go back to Romo's first year doing games when when Dak was quarterback uh, and they weren't getting the ball to Des Bryant, he was basically saying, like, just throw it up to Des Bryant. It's the same thing. Like, just go throw the ball to the best player against their weakest corner and let's let's kind of go from there. This is what this is in line with what we told you about the Cowboys, right? The issues with that offense, I don't think Dak is great. I don't think the line. I think everything about the Dallas Cowboys is they're not phonies, they're not frauds, they're not terrible. Okay, but from the offensive line to Dak Prescott to Kellen Moore to Amari Cooper to Ezekiel Elliott, you know, they're just. They're good. They're not 
superstar great, and then they try and just get too cute. They try and fool you when you don't have to fool you. And ultimately, that stuff gets you beat. That stuff gets you beat. And we told you, if you watch the Cowboys all year long, you saw you saw these things. You saw that Dak against better defenses could be inaccurate. You saw that Dak, like any quarterback, went under pressure, did not look like the same guy. You saw that Ezekiel Elliott did not have the burst he's had previously. The, the truth is that when Jerry said Zeke who a couple years ago, he was actually right. He just didn't have the balls to say, hey, Zeke, we don't actually need you. We got Tony Pollard. We can pay any running back to be another solid running back. He wasn't the superstar he was early on in his career. They had problems with clock management all year. That came to roost. They had problems with Dak Prescott against better defenses, and they had problems with Kellen Moore in the red zone, but also just at times overly creative players instead of plays, players instead of schemes, and that's what that's what Troy Aikman was discussing. All right, we got a lot to get to on the show. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, coming up next, huh, well, this isn't a surprise, but you remember what Aaron Rodgers wanted before the season? Turns out LeBron James has it, and why it's a bad Bad idea. Bad, bad idea. We'll get to that upcoming next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Doug Gottlieb Show, today broadcasting live from College Station, Texas, Kyle Field, high above, high above the, uh, it's so funny, like, now Texas A&M is known for, like, Johnny Menzel and Dude Perfect, right? But um, this is going to test your knowledge, Bayer. This is going to be a good one for Bayer, because Bayer just stumped me with the reports of the first ever college football game being broadcast in 1921. Being right here, it's a disputed. It was it was a great question. It completely stumped me. All right, so what was Jackie Sherrill known most for? I believe, like the one Jackie Sherrill story, which is often repeated about his time at Texas A&M. Do you remember? Um, no, not off the top of my head. I believe I, I think it's when he was the coach here, not at Mississippi State. He castrated a bull, and they had a bull castrated in front of the team. Okay, it 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 sounds somewhat somewhat familiar, but that's uh. <laughs> you, ever, you ever milk a bull? You make a friend for life. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox <laughs> here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I I, I want to react to something which is the story of the day, and this is it, it's one of the things that I think hurts a lot of college coaches who become pro coaches. I think it hurt Urban Meyer. It um, it hurts Patriot guys when they go and take a job elsewhere. But it's, it's one of those things where 
So Jalen Hurts, again, if we take Nick Sirianni, we take, and I wouldn't take Howie Roseman as word, not because I think Howie Roseman is dis, disingenuous. Well, actually, I do. Um, Howie Roseman, remember he signed uh, Sam Bradford to a contract extension, told everybody he's their starting quarterback, and then they went and drafted Carson Wentz and traded away Sam Bradford shortly thereafter. You guys remember that. But, of course, they spent the entire offseason up until the draft saying Sam Bradford was their guy. So we've seen that, heard that before. This is Howie Roseman earlier today when he was asked about his second-year quarterback, Jalen Hurts. We got to do whatever we can to continue to help him develop. And how do we do that? By surrounding him with really good players. Players continue to grow. That's a huge part of developing. How they are in their second year is not how they're going to be in year four, five, six, and seven. And they're also products of the people around them. Okay, so the idea is, and I've seen other people say, well, look, Jalen Hurts is only 23 years old. He's going to develop. He's going to get better. And and while I I agree you're not going to usually get worse, you should get better, haven't we seen enough of Jalen Hurts to know what he is? Like, he started as a true freshman at Alabama. It's not like the guy hasn't had the reps at the position, right? He started as a true freshman at Alabama, and once he got into his – once he got competition, Tua Tagovailoa was better than him. Right? Then he went to Oklahoma, and he was still good. He's not bad. I'm not trying to tell you he stinks. Right? But in comparison to Kyler Murray, who's shown his limitations as a pro, Baker Mayfield, who's shown his limitations as a pro, everyone would contend, if you watched at Oklahoma, if you talked to people at Oklahoma, by about midseason, they were frustrated with, his inability as a passer. And he became just a running quarterback who they'd have throw. They had designed runs, even even when he dropped back. Like, they just like, look, if you don't see what you like, run the football. And uh, look, I, I get that if you simply take it as here's a 23-year-old quarterback, second year in the NFL, they weren't supposed to be very good, they make the playoffs, and they lose to Tom Brady. If you just take that part of the story, okay. But if you if you consider the context, he's played a ton of football. Tua was clearly better. Kyler was clearly better. Baker Mayfield was clearly better. And oh yeah, by the way, none of those guys are exactly killing it in the NFL in that system. L- listen to the wins that they had. Falcons. Panthers after Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Okay. Lions. Uh, Broncos. Without Teddy Bridgewater, Saints after Jameis Winston got hurt, Jets, Washington at the end of the year when they had nobody left, Giants, Washington. They beat no one, and they lost to the Giants, and they got completely depanced um, in in the playoffs by the Buccaneers. And they got completely depanced because, and you heard Michael Lombardi say it last hour if you're listening, like, you can't win playoff games that way, but you can win some regular season games that way. He's just limited. He's a really good backup quarterback who can be a spot starter. But what happens with uh, Howie Roseman, this happens with lots of, happens in business all the time, is you fall in love with your guys. You're so convinced that you found a diamond and that you know, like, listen, I know what you think, but this is... You ever seen the, the the make me moves on Zillow? 
right? Make me move. Did anybody use Zillow as a website? Zillow is the, it's a real estate website, but it also gives you what's called a Zestimate. And there's a, there's an algorithm they use for local pricing and they give you about, yes, bring your house. Well, you can list your house by yourself without realtor fees, whatever, and just put like, it's called a make me move price. And what happens without any question is anybody who does that, like you inflate the value, your house is worth $300,000. You see other houses, you're like, you know, I'll move, but you got to pay me $600,000 for my house. And anybody else is like, your house is not worth $600,000. Your house is worth $300,000. No, 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 you don't understand. I got this. I got that. I got the best lot. I got the biggest house. I guess like, okay. It, it's almost like parenting. You know, my, my high school coach is a guy named Andy Ground. And he's been a longtime junior college coach. Very successful one. And he, he told me once in coaching, coaching kids, he's like, I'm going to give you this really good advice. Don't ever listen to parents talking about their kid. They're just blinded by love. And that's essentially what Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni are. They're just blinded by love. Like, dude, that guy is, he's, he looks the part. He sounds the part. Sometimes he even feels the part. But, but the, the Buccaneers is not a great defense, especially against the pass. It's just not. And, the lack of accuracy, the lack of feel as a passer, it just got badly exposed. And I'm sure that Howie is sitting there going like, well, look at what they've done with Lamar Jackson on that rookie contract, and he can be our Lamar Jackson. At what point? At, at some point, you want to pull him aside and go like, okay, I, I understand that they were both very good quarterbacks in college. Lamar Jackson, who also has his limitations... Okay, has only won one playoff game. And that style has its limitations. But Lamar Jackson is a freak. Okay, he is a freak of nature. He is the best running quarterback we have ever seen. And he throws a better ball than Jalen Hurts. And look, I get it. They trade away Zach Ertz and they're sitting there going like, look, we can go and get big tight ends and guys with big catch radiuses and run the football and shorten the game and more running backs and we can do what Baltimore did. That's what we can do. That dude ain't Lamar Jackson. It's like the famous line from um, oh man, I'm kind of dating myself. Ramos, do you remember the line that Dan Quayle had? And then uh, I think it was Lloyd Benson. Yes, Lloyd Benson. He was running for vice president. Uh, Right. Do you remember the vice presidential debate? Do you remember what happened? I do remember. Yes. That's when Lloyd said, I I knew Jack Kennedy. You're no Jack Kennedy. Yes. Well, you have to sell what Dan Quell said. (laughs) Dan Quell, the guy who couldn't spell potato. By the way, I'm just going to tell you right now, I struggle with the word potato. I don't. But but I'm also not. I'm not vice president of the United States. But. Dan Quayle kind of likened himself to a young uh, John F. Kennedy. Uh, was it? Uh, and Lloyd Benson gets up, and it's one of the greatest lines in the history of, definitely probably the greatest line in the history of vice presidential debate. Nothing comes out of vice presidential debates of any sort of substance, it seems like. Uh, Senator, I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. And you, Senator, are no Jack Kennedy, right? That's, that's, I believe that's the line. 
Yeah, and it did. It didn't help Mike Dukakis that one bit, but it was a hell of a line. You're right about well, that. Well, Mike Dukakis was done in because they put him in a tank. They put him in the tank, yeah. And he 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 looked as uncomfortable in that tank as Kyler Murray did behind center <laughs> on Monday night, right? <laughs> And everybody who's old enough to know that reference, that political reference, is like, you know what? I think Gottlieb just nailed it. That's exactly how uncomfortable <laughs> Kyler Murray looked. Um, anyway, it, you want to say, like, if Nick Sirianni or Howie Roseman think he's – it's like Lamar Jackson. Senator, I know Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is my fantasy quarterback. And Jalen Hurts, Senator, is no Lamar Jackson. If the Eagles are doubling down on Jalen Hurts, remember, they beat nobody, okay? And it's in a year in which the Cowboys were okay, but they're they're always going to be better at quarterback. Dak is better than Jalen Hurts, and they're always going to have better dudes. The Washington football team is going to be better next year than they were this year. They lost Chase Young, who's in that Nick Bosa conversation of the best young defensive end in the league, right? He's, he's an absolute game changer. And, of course, they, they lost – they've been through, like, how many? Eight quarterbacks in the last two years. They lost Ryan Fitzpatrick. M- my guess is that will be remedied here in the offseason. And the Giants couldn't have been a bigger colossal disaster. And the Giants actually beat the Eagles this year. You played the easiest schedule on record. You snuck into the playoffs and got embarrassed. You have three first-round picks. And I will grant you it doesn't appear like there's a quarterback worth taking in the draft – that's going to make you immediately better. Maybe long-term one of them does. But Russell Wilson could be on the move. You got three first-round picks. Aaron Rodgers could be on the move. You got three first-round picks. Um, you kind of look around the league, and there are going to be some options for, some, for, uh, for other quarterbacks. You know, I don't think you're not taking Carson Wentz back, but I, Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. I said it. Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But they're going to do what – this is what college coaches do when they get to the NFL. It's, it's the reason that, that, that Tim Tebow was in camp with the Jaguars. Guys love their guys because the love of a coach for a guy who's accomplished something as a player is like the love of a father with a kid. And as my high school coach who's become a great college – a junior college coach said, can't take parents' words for it. They're blinded by love. That's the only thing I can think of with the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I'm not saying he stinks. I'm not saying get rid of him. But the idea that right now you're like, he's the starter, no questions. That You put yourself in a, in a hole. In a hole. And I think they put themselves in the hole because they really believe that. All right, coming up next, my man Eric Wood joins us. Of course, uh, he only played for one team in the NFL. That was the Buffalo. That was the Buffalo Bills. We'll ask him about uh, about Mac Jones. Calls the games for the radio network, and we'll ask him about Kansas City's rematch with the Bills and how much he thinks things will be different. That's upcoming next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Mike check. Hey. Mike check. check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real... 
I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. What up with your Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb show today, live at Kyle Field, Texas A&M. I'm going to saunter on over to Reed Arena. And thanks to the folks at Compass Media, get a chance to call Kentucky versus the Ags tonight. Big college basketball tilt. Why do we call it a tilt? Right, Tilt is a bad thing in... in um, uh, what's it called? Uh, pinball? Why do we call it a tilt? Anybody? Does anybody? Ramos, any idea why we call it a tilt? I think it's because you move the pinball machine so much that it actually it tilts to one side or another, causing it to be uh, invalid. No, I know that, but why do oh. we call it a game a tilt? Like, oh. I, it's, an oh expression, like, it's an expression I use, but I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um, Maybe can I, I just? Don't know, I, I don't know one hundred percent, but can I just say? And, and if I, I just a theory would be it. It can tilt either either way, like one side or the other. Well, I know the gambling term of tilted, okay, right? which is many. It's like running on emotions. Okay, right? if you're if you're til- if you're tilted, that's what it means. Uh, is a game the same thing? Um, I don't know. Byer, you have any idea? Yeah, I think John was on the right track there. That's what I think. That's what I said is that game will adjust the standings and the outcome. That's how I always viewed it. Hmm. Okay. Smarter guys than me. Thank you, John. Thank you, Dan. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Daniel Jeremiah joins us. Do you ever call a game a tilt? Do you say this is a tilt? Oh, okay. He, yeah, he just, he's not even here yet, and he doesn't even, he wants nothing to do with that answer. <laughs> Zero to do with that, with, the, with that answer. A uh, lot to get to. Okay, so here's what everybody's talking about. It's, it's um, Troy Aikman, three-time Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer, and, of course, a lead analyst for Fox. He was on a Dallas radio station, and he had this to say, about what was wrong with the Cowboys' offense on Sunday against the Niners. Back when I was playing, and I hate going back to that point because nobody cares, but what I see around the leagues, not just Dallas, it was in Philadelphia, I've seen it with a lot of teams, that a lot of these offenses, they want to scheme things. Rather than this corner is playing soft, he's scared to death, just run the route tree, just run a comeback, run a, run a dig route, run a curl, run anything. And you're going to complete the pass whenever you want. Urban would have had 10 catches at halftime if they had played us the way that they played CeeDee Lamb. The game's not that difficult. If, if I've got a great player at wide receiver and a corner is playing him single coverage, throw him the ball. Dana Jeremiah is a quarterback in college at Appalachian State. Of course, he's an analyst for the NFL Network and for the L.A. Chargers radio network. You should download the podcast, Move the Sticks. He and Bucky Brooks are phenomenal. Um, how, how valid are Troy Aikman's points? I would agree with him 100%. Um, I think it's absolutely correct. And Bucky always says this on the podcast when we're talking about this kind of stuff, just it's got to be players over plays at times. You know, you get you get locked in, and this is the offense, and this is what we're running, and you kind of forget, like, this is our best guy. Like, get the football in his hands. We, we were calling that game for Amazon, and we were wondering, golly, they, they are force-feeding Cedric Wilson. 
Um, and CeeDee Lamb can't get a target. Like, I, it didn't make any sense at the time. And I imagine Troy was extremely uh, frustrated when he checked in on that one. Um, okay. So is that I, – I, this is what I felt like. And, and it's funny because I've heard plays over, play, uh, plays over players, people use it in basketball as well. Everybody wants to get the best play. Like, just get to your best player and get the hell out of the way, right? Like, let's not, let's not, over, <laughs> let's not, let's not yeah. overthink this thing. And and this it's they're being too cute. And I think and, and again, forgive me if I hold Boise State against him, but it's a little bit of that Boise State mentality where they've always been a little bit too cute in the red zone this year. They've had clock management issues all year. They've had penalty issues all year. And they they don't they don't protect nearly as well as their offensive line should based upon reputation. Zeke Elliott's not the same guy as his reputation. Like, all of these things came to roost in one game. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say one of the big takeaways for me from that game is you looked at a team, and you probably, this is a great example. I'd love to get your take on it, Doug, from, from a college basketball perspective when teams go into the tournament. Uh, but this is a, that was a 49ers team that was rugged and tested playing in the Thunderdome of the NFC West against the Dallas Cowboys team that played in the worst division in football. And there was a little bit of a hollow champion there when they got, when it got real physical, it was obvious who the more uh, physical team was. And I think your schedule has a little bit to do with that. I think we think of us, the NFL, it's not like college football and, you know, the schedules, there's parody, all this kind of stuff. Well, no, when you play, when you play each team in your division twice and your division is really good or your division is really bad, that makes a difference. I, I completely agree. The Eagles are the, the best example of that, right? Where it's like, yeah, you won the NFC East, but, you know, sorry, you're, you're actually not that good. Whereas I, I've been on the Niners all year. They weren't when they, they didn't have Kel, uh, didn't have uh, Kittle. They're not the same. Debo Samuels is just an absolute monster. They didn't have him. And then Nick Bosa was coming off an ACL and he slowly got better and better and better. I want to get to the matchup with the Packers in a second. Let's move to the Eagles. Uh, why are they so in love with Jalen Hurts? I, I, I'll ask you again. I'm asking you a lot of questions today. I, uh, I posed this question because I was uh, having fun on Twitter saying, okay, would you give up your three picks this year for, for Russell Wilson if you're the Eagles? Yes. And, and, and Eagles fans lost their minds, and I'm sitting here going, 15, 16, and 19? That is, the 15, 16, and 19 was Mac Jones, Zayvon Collins, a linebacker, and Shaman Davis. You wouldn't trade those three guys for a Hall of Fame quarterback who's who's only 33 years old, which is still young in the way the game's played right now, who's had literally – Russell Wilson's had one bad year, and really it was just after the finger injury. Before the finger injury, he had nine touchdowns and no picks this year, uh, coming on the heels of a year where he went 12-4. and four. Uh, But what, my point was then, uh, you know, well, it's too much to give up for one player. So I said – I asked an Eagles fan or a writer, whoever was on there, I said, if the Eagles and the Bucks swapped quarterbacks in that game who wins so i'd love to get your your answer on that one because i know mine and i don't even think it's a question oh it's tom brady absolutely absolutely dallas goddard would have caught eight or nine balls Devontae smith would have caught eight or nine balls and the and the eagles defense would have stacked the line of scrimmage and swarmed and forced jalen hurts to throw he just he's not so that's not it's not something he can do well well right now and well here, here's my here's my too, here's my problem with the jalen hurts excuses or or explanations whatever you however you want like he's 23 like that's if he if he was mitch trubisky who only started one year in college we've seen jalen hurts right 
We saw him in Alabama, and Tua was light years better than him. And he gets to Oklahoma, and Kyler and Baker were light years better than him. And he's good, but they, everyone, everyone comes away with the exact same feeling about Jalen Hurts. Like, like him. Good dude. No flaws, as a, no character flaws at all. He's just not that good a thrower of the football, and he can't run a pro offense with with his inability, you know, to make precision throws. Right? I mean, I'm, it's not like we haven't seen him. We saw him play four years in college. He's the same guy, just at a higher level. And you hit that limit, and and they played the weakest schedule in the NFL. It's just hard. It's hard when you look around the tournament and who's left, and you look at those quarterbacks. And you have to be perfect if you don't have a premier quarterback. You've got to be perfect everywhere else. Now, maybe part of the problem is the Eagles just had lightning in a bottle with Nick Foles one year. And it's like, dude, that's like the, I mean, this is like the, you know, the Trent Dill for Ravens. Like, that's not, that's not real life. Like, that's a once every 20 years chance. You have a premier quarterback, you are in the tournament with a chance every single year. Like, that's just, that's just what it is. So if you've got a chance to get one of those guys, and this is the year to do it because you've amassed all this draft capital, you're not going to be able to do this in another year. Um, man, heck yeah, I would do it. I, I was completely befuddled by what the heck happened to Kyler Murray. I just, I understand he's under pressure. I understand he didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe it's the scheme that's a, too much of a college, too, too basic a scheme that people figure out. But, I mean, Kyler Murray looked totally lost, and I, I don't use this word lightly. He looked intimidated by the pass rush. What's your assessment as to what went so wrong for Arizona on Monday night? Well, I, I kind of watching the game. The words that came to mind were very frenetic, and and some panic kind of set in. You know, like it was every he couldn't get the ball out fast enough on some of those. He was not trying to work. Uh, as I've seen him do in the past, and try and work down the field, he would just get the ball out of his hands and. Um, you know, look, they're not great up front, but there were other times where he had some time in there and his, his feet were so busy and, uh, and he just didn't want to hang in there. So, uh, yeah, that was discouraging, man. You kind of watch that game and you think you're the Cardinals. Okay. We're getting close. We're getting close. And in that game, you're just like, man, we've, we've got a lot of work to do, um, to get where they need to get. And everybody's pointed out the collapses they've had over the last couple of years. Um, I think, you know, I think there's validity to that. You know, you come out with your ideas, you spend the off season, you get ready to go, um, and the league adjusts, and they haven't been able to adjust to the league. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Daniel Jeremiah. Um, did we see Mac Jones ceiling? Right, like I feel like we saw Jalen Hurts ceiling. We're maybe thinking Kyler Murray's ceiling's different than we thought previously. What about Mac Jones? Uh, how how much room for improvement is there? I think that there's room for improvement around him, um, which is going to raise his level of play. But there's nothing you're going to be able to put around him that's going to put him anywhere near on the level of the guy he was playing against last week. Like that's just that that's a gap that he's physically not going to be able to close. So in order to, in order for them to be able to compete with Buffalo, I mean they got the doors blown off by 30 points. Um, they are going to have to upgrade the talent really on both sides, and they're going to have to kind of lift Mac up a little bit. So I think his level of play can improve because I don't think they're great, you know, offensive skill set wise around him. So I think they can they can raise him up a little bit. But I mean, Doug, that's I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to watch those two guys throw a football in that game and see the difference. I mean, he's never going to be able to do the things that Josh Allen can do. 
All right, now we're going to see Josh Allen back against the Chiefs defense. Everybody says the Chiefs are different. You've seen both versions of the Chiefs in person. The, the Chargers beat them early in the year, lost to them in a very close game. They could have won late in the year. How different are the Chiefs when they face the Bills this weekend? Well, they're better, but, I, I mean, if Josh Allen's in the zone and locked in like he was last week, it ain't going to matter. There's nobody in this tournament it's going to matter if, he's, if he is what he was last week. I mean, that's, that's just the facts. Um, and I believe more in Buffalo's defense than I do in Kansas City's defense. So, um, yeah, they're better, but there's nothing you can do defensively that's going to defend what he was doing last week. I mean, they barely even got to third down. They were 6-6 six six on third down. The longest one was four yards. Um, I mean, they were averaging over 10 yards a play on first down. And this isn't like, you know, this isn't some god-awful, terrible defense with some, you know, dumb defensive coordinator. This is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. He did whatever he wanted. Um, so if that version shows up, then, you know, God bless the rest of the NFL. We're all playing for second place. Uh, okay, let's let's get back to that Cowboys thing for a second. Uh, Mike McCarthy came out today and said it was the right call. He liked the, He agreed with the play call. Uh, what do you think of what happened at the very end of the Cowboys-Niners game? I didn't like it. I mean, I, you can say, okay, if you execute it properly, maybe there's, you know, there's a chance that you can get another snap off, but is the juice worth the squeeze? So you're at the, what, the 23, 24 yard line uh, with one throw. Quite honestly, I think I'd rather have just two pops at the end zone from where you were, just throw two Hail Marys and see if you get one of them, you know, um, or again, try and try and I know where the defense they're playing makes that difficult, but with some type of a flood route to see if you can get an opportunity to throw the ball down there. I just thought the risk versus the reward on that play call it just didn't it didn't make sense to me. Not getting not handing the ball to the to the official when I mean Romo obviously knew it but anyone who's watched football was like why aren't they handing the ball to the official? <laughs> I know. I know. Who do we put Yeah, that that's on? what I'm saying it was it wasn't it wasn't executed properly and I know um I think everybody's got to kind of own that and that and, you know, Dak ultimately's got to own it because that's his you know that's his role and his job to know that. Um, but I saw McCarthy ca- caught a lot of heat, and I'm a I like Kellen Moore a lot. But Kellen Moore's got to catch some heat for that too. I mean, that's something you should be repping uh, constantly. Um, and you've got you've got access to the helmet of the quarterback. So uh, you know, I don't know. I, that was a, there was a lot of blame to go around. But I think Dak probably at the end of the day probably has to carry the blame the the brunt of the blow on that one. Okay, uh, the the Niners should have won that game going away, but they they kind of got cute as well, right? And the quarterback uh, got cute. Well, they one guy. So now he's going into Green Bay, who we the way to beat Green Bay is generally the way in which the Niners play. But you got the Jimmy factor. He's there's going to be at least a throw, if not two, where you hold your breath and see if a defensive guy could just catch a ball thrown right to him. Bosa got a little bit dinged up. And the Packers, like, I don't know how well guys play when they haven't played all year, but they got everybody, everybody, almost everybody back. Uh, what's the likelihood that the Niners go in and beat the Packers in Green Bay? Well, I think they really match up well against the Packers, as, as you kind of mentioned. That stylistically, that's a, a style that can give them fits. I just. I can't, I can't go with Jimmy on the road in that environment, and Aaron being rested, and that whole team being fresh. I just, I, I, I just don't believe enough in Jimmy Garoppolo to make the throws he's going to have to make in that game. Um, and you know, so I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Packers, but I will give you that. I think it's, it's a difficult stylistic matchup for the Packers, 
but they are a rested, rested, healthy, hungry group. I, I just the gap in the quarterbacks in that game is so significant. I just I got to go with the Packers. Okay, then let's get to the Buccaneers taking on the Rams. Uh, Rams obviously destroyed the Arizona Cardinals um, offensive line. Can the Rams get to Brady with four, right? That's the way to beat Brady. Get him off his spot. Got to do it with four. Can they do it? Yeah, absolutely. They can do it. I mean, they, they've, you know, I, I've been saying it for a while since they made that Von Miller trade. Don't judge Von Miller on the regular season. He's a savvy veteran who knows to conserve uh, and get ready for the postseason because that's where the value of that trade is going to come in. Um, and then with, with AD inside, I mean, it is a really good offensive line for the Tampa Bay Bucks, but they're going to be able to get to him at times. Um, you know, my thing is on the other side of the ball, you know, we talk about Jimmy G giving the ball away. I know Stafford you know, was clean last week, but they're not going to be able to pound the ball on the Bucks like they did last week against the Cardinals. The Tampa is just not going to run on them like that. So this ball is going to be put in Stafford's hands, and Todd Bowles is going to be dialing up lots of pressure, um, that to me is is why I think this is uh, that's where the game's going to be decided is, is whether Matthew Stafford can protect the ball because they might get to Brady, uh, but I don't think Brady will, will do a lot to put the ball in jeopardy. I, I don't I don't know that I can do the same thing for Stafford. Uh, okay, what about the Bengals going into Tennessee? We're going to see Derrick Henry hadn't played in a while. Uh, it's a team that has th- that we've seen them in the playoffs previously. And then you got Cincinnati with all that weaponry. What's the likelihood Cincinnati pulls off the upset? Well, I, they're they're my favorite team to watch. I love Burrow. He's my favorite quarterback to watch. He's just so much fun, and I, I don't want to bet against him. I just don't think they're going to be able to physically block Tennessee up front. That's um, That would be concerning to me. And I think this game, we're going to know who the winner is at the end of the first quarter. The Bengals have to jump on them early and put Tennessee in chase mode. Uh, if Tennessee's up or if it's tight, uh, man, I, I just think that they're just so much better along the line of scrimmage, uh, and that's where that game will be decided. So I like Tennessee in that one. What would you say, Ramos? Justin Herbert's on hold. What? Why? <laughs> I, I know. Oh, he was well, listening. I, I don't count, he was listening I don't when, count he was listening when you said, "Hold oh, on, no, no, no." You just said, "Ramos, you want to run back the tape?" Didn't he just say that Joe Burrow is his favorite quarterback? He did say that. Just, yeah. Justin Herbert's on hold. What? How are you going to answer so, this so, question so about here, Herbert and, and and Burrow? Let me, let me let me give let me give you the answer to this because it's the same reason why people would say Steph Curry is more fun to watch than LeBron James because we can't relate to LeBron James. He's just so much bigger and stronger and better than everybody else. Like you can't I, – I look at Joe Burrow and go, man, it's just if I just had a little bit more, maybe I could have been Joe Burrow. You know, like there's, he's a version of all of us, uh, just kind of like the average guy out there. Herbert is like LeBron. Like you can't – there's no – he's a cyborg. He is a cyborg. By the way, I'm watching the, the bad playoff games, and I'm convinced – that the Chargers screwed it up, oh, and then right, like there's no way they shouldn't be in the playoffs. They're one of the, and then so the Ravens and the Browns with all their injuries, they screwed it up, right? And then the, in the NFC, and uh, the Colts. I mean, th- those are those are the four. The four teams are way better than the Patriots and then the Raiders. Like it's not not really close. And then and then you look in the NFC and the Saints. Obviously, when Jameis went went down, that completely changed that. The, the NFC, I think. And then I, I would say Washington would be the other team that you lose Chase Young and you lose Ryan Fitzpatrick early in the year. And maybe the other team that, that had the easy schedule, if McCaffrey doesn't get hurt, Darnold doesn't get hurt. I, if McCaff- I, I understand Darnold looked bad after McCaffrey yeah. went down. 
But when McCaffrey was healthy, they were 3-0. and They were going to play a soft schedule. Those are the teams that screwed up the playoffs, aren't they? Well, and I would say also Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt. They probably are in the mix, too, uh, with, his, with his finger, just with him just throwing the ball over the place. But um, I, I've said this throughout the whole year. I don't think the best teams are going to make the playoffs. I, the, in, in the COVID year that we have with, with all the guys missing, it's the deepest teams that are going to make the playoffs. And we've seen that. You know, if the Chargers – I mean, obviously we can look at the last game, but you can't lose to Houston. And they were missing a zillion guys in that game. If somehow you could find a way to win that game, they're in the tournament, and we would have been spared some, you know, a pretty awful postseason game that we were forced to watch there. So um, how fun would that have been to have seen Herbert and Josh Allen going toe-to-toe? But, you know, hey, look, that's that's just kind of the way the year went. Everybody was dealing with injuries and COVID and – um, we didn't necessarily get the uh, all the best teams into the postseason this year. No, no, we didn't. But we still we're going to have an unbelievable weekend. Dan and Jeremiah, DJ, great stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you, Doug. See you. All right, that's Daniel Jeremiah, um, who apparently not very fond of Justin Herbert. Not like Joe Burrow. But I'm kidding. I'm I'm completely and, and totally kidding. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. DJ, of course, works for the NFL Network. Download the Move the Sticks podcast. Okay, coming up, uh, coming up next. Ooh, I'll I'll give you my thoughts on Dak Prescott's apology, and wait to hear what Mike McCarthy had to say about the officiating this past weekend. 